Again, welcome uh, to week three in our sermon series, The Daniel Plan. We hope that you've been enjoying uh, eating healthier, um, you know, doing a little bit more physical exercise, getting into the Bible, doing some more, um, you know, really deep thinking about your relationship with the Lord. And I know that um, some of you have really made some changes. You've uh, even cleaned out your cupboards and uh, replace them with some healthy food in your homes. You know, uh, I want to just give a shout out to Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark got uh, all of his junk food out of his house, and he replaced it with veggies and fruits and tofu. I found out Pastor Mark uh, loves tofu. He just loves it. Look at him. So the game ball goes to Pastor Mark today. Well, as you know, today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, the New England Patriots are going to take on the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, how many of you want the Patriots to win? Raise your hand. Woohoo! Okay, and how many of you want the Seahawks to win? Let's see. <laughs> okay, this is more... It's about half-half. All right, so uh, it should be a lot of fun watching the game. Uh, and I love watching the Super Bowl. I used to, like pound my chest and say, I've never missed a Super Bowl since 1984. I even quit one of my jobs as a college student just so I could watch the Super Bowl. And I know, I, it's just, it didn't make any sense. And it was like a blowout by halftime. I'm thinking, what was I thinking? And so uh, I love the Super Bowl because, not just because you get to watch the game, it's a lot of fun, get to be with friends and family, but you get to pig out, right? Watching the pig skin. Well, actually, did you know that it's cowhide? It's not really pig skin for those guys out there. So anyway, we get to pig out. We get to eat like 6,000 calories in the span of four hours. And it's so much fun. And today, I'm going to give us a little Daniel Plan goal or a challenge. I'm going to say for everybody... You know, as we're trying to eat a little bit healthier and we have all the ribs and the fried chicken and all, everything, Philly cheesesteaks, Philadelphia. And so you get all this good food. And then, you know, you're going to be tempted just to, Daniel, I know you. You just have no vegetables on your plate. We're going to ask that, hey, let's try and put a whole bunch of veggies on there too. So for you guys, those are the things next to the ranch dressing, you know, just put those on your plate, and then we'll, we'll do a little bit of like a half and half thing, instead of like drinking six root beers, root beers, Daniel, you can go ahead, you can do like one or two, and then do like five glasses of water, okay, so that's a little goal, if you finished the game, and you know that you haven't totally picked out, then you know, yes, I hit my Daniel plan goal, okay, Let's try and do that. So um, this week, uh, as we're uh, launching out to week three, we're going to be talking about setting goals. Setting goals. Why should we set personal goals? That's a good question, right? Why should we? And as Christians, what kinds of goals should we set? So we're going to be answering those two questions. And so far in the series, um, I, I hope you've, really been enjoying learning more about how to improve your faith, how to make it healthier, because it always starts with your faith, your relationship with the Lord, uh, how you eat, your food, 
your fitness, your focus, because you actually feel like your, your mind is more focused when you're healthier, right? Your focus and your friends. Working together in small groups, working together with people who will help you attain your goals, right? So if you're anything like me, you know that it's been a hard challenge so far, hasn't it? Why? Because I like eating whatever I want, right? I like pigging out. I like not exercising, right? But at the same time, I knew, remember at the beginning of the year when we're talking about... Hey, Pastor Mark said, we're going to start this thing called the Daniel Plan. And I'm thinking, oh no, not this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to eat grains and green lettuce, wow, all that stuff, and then be hungry and be grumpy. But you know what? I knew that it was time. I just felt that I knew I needed to get in better shape physically, but also spiritually. And so as we started the new year, I was so excited about starting at the same time as I was bummed. I was thinking, okay, let's do this. If we're going to do it, let's do it together as a church. And so our small group is all pumped up. And I hope your small group is the same way. And as you've been meeting for the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been sharing victories. Yeah, you know, we lost a couple pounds. Or I've been eating a little bit healthier. I take my lunch to work. And, or maybe you've been sharing challenges things that you, oh, it's so hard. I don't know if I can even do it. I don't even know if I'm motivated enough to do it. So hopefully you're sharing those challenges and victories in your small group for the last two weeks. So this series has led me to try to make changes to my lifestyle. And that's what the Daniel Plan is all about. It's really about a lifestyle, isn't it? It's not a fast. It's not a fast. We're not fasting. It's not a diet. We're not dieting for six weeks. It's about changing or letting God change our lifestyle, right? So we really have to learn that. It's about how God wants us to live, not just for six weeks and then we're pow, but for the rest of our lives. That's pretty cool, huh? We have a chance to start that together. So at the beginning of the year, I preached a sermon about the big rocks. Remember that? I had the object lesson. I brought in the sand and the rocks, and we tried to see if we, we could put the sand, all the small stuff in first, and then put the big stuff in, the big rocks, and it just didn't fit. But when we put the big rocks in, the big things in life first, things like Bible, things like uh, prayer, fellowship with other believers, and uh, preaching the gospel, telling other people about Jesus, when we put those things in first, and all the other things in life, seem to fit just right. And those are the things, the big rocks, God wants us to be healthy in. He wants us to arrange our lives so that we put those first things first. So in order to be able to have those big rocks be in the jar of our lives first, we have to take care of our bodies and take care of our minds, of our emotions, so that we're able to be fit enough, healthy enough to be able to do that. Otherwise, you just feel junk. You just don't have any motivation. So that's what we're doing. We're looking for a holistic approach, a total approach to our health. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So the Daniel plan, what does it do? The Daniel plan gives us a practical opportunity to try it out. So a lot of times we know what we should do, right? 
We already know. We know that we should be more spiritually fit, spending time with God, right? We know that we should be loving others into the kingdom. We know that we should be eating right. It's like, you know, your parents, they keep telling you, hey, you should do this, you should do that. It's like, yeah, I know, Mom. I know, Dad. I got it. We know it. It isn't rocket science, right? But there's a big difference in knowing what to do and actually doing it, right? There's a big difference. Where is the disconnect, right? So many times we want to change our lifestyles and we want to be able to stick with it and make positive changes in our life. But we also know, hey, you know what? I just said this last year. Remember, Max, we just started the whole resolution thing and we tried to launch out and I started for three weeks and then I got tired and then I just, you know, going back to my same old routine. So what's the secret? Where do we find the power to change? So Pastor Rick Warren, he recalls a conversation he had with a world-famous psychiatrist, and he said, he asked him this, he said, in all of your practice over the years, what has been the most helpful thing you've given to people that has made a difference in their lives as they were seeking change? The psychiatrist said, there's no question about it. I've discovered the most helpful thing I can do for people in a personal or relational, relational problem is to help them set personal goals. It's to help them set personal goals. Personal goals. Why is that? Why should I set personal goals? Number one, you can write this in your bulletin if you'd like to. Number one, goals focus my energy. Goals focus my energy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.26, he said, I do not run without a goal. So basically he's saying, I don't do life without a goal. Paul had a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. I like that. See, energy, when it's focused, it has enormous power right we know that the apostle paul is telling us in the scripture passage that he ran his life with purpose with intentionality see he's not just running around in circles like a chicken with his head cut off he's not fighting like a boxer in a match who's just punching the air imagine that you're in a match and you don't really care about hitting your opponent you're off onto your doing your own thing and just punching the air missing the target Paul ran with a goal. He focused his energy on the things that were truly important. And as we see, Paul wrote like a third or like almost half of the New Testament. Paul was able to live an effective life by putting the big rocks of his life in first. How was he able to do that? He was focused. He had a goal for his life. So how about you? Are you focused? Are you focused on the things in life that are truly, truly important? On the big rocks? Or do you get sidetracked often? Are you effective in a few things? Or are you busy doing a million different things, totally scatterbrained? Are you attending to the things in your life that are important? Or are you attending to the things in your life that are really urgent? 
And that's a problem for us nowadays in our culture, isn't it? The difference between doing what is really truly important in life compared to doing, oh, I got to do it right now. It's so busy. You know, I know that's super important, but I got to take care of all these things first. And I'll get to that later. Which one do you find yourself doing? Do you find yourself pushing the urgent aside? I mean, the important aside for the urgent? See, God helps focus our energy so we won't waste our lives on the trivial things of life. That's number one. Number two, goals build my character. Goals build my character. God's number one goal in life is to make you more like Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Philippians 3.12, Apostle Paul wrote, I do not claim that I've already succeeded or have already become perfect. No, I keep striving toward the goal for which Christ Jesus has won me to himself. See, goals help develop. They help cultivate your character. And every day, it's God's goal to make you more and more like Jesus. That you look in the mirror and you glimpse, you say, hey, I look a little bit more like Jesus today. Every day, to the time that you finally close your eyes, you wake up in heaven, you look a little bit more like Jesus every day. Isn't that cool? Isn't that an awesome goal that God has for our lives? See, God is interested in developing our character. He's not as interested in us accomplishing our goals, although our goals are really important. It's not the end outcome. It's the process. It's the formation of our character. So uh, I had a personal goal in 2010, a big goal. I had never run a marathon before. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to run the Honolulu Marathon this year. And so I was... Really, it was a daunting thing. I, I don't even like running. And I knew that I needed some kind of a training schedule. I needed some little goals to help me get to my big goal. So I purchased one online. I, I don't even, I think I just Googled something. And it was Marion's Bakken's online like training. And you had to buy it. Probably get it free, but I bought one. And I'm like, okay, for 10 months, I followed this schedule. And I'm thinking, Wow, okay, and it starts off like walking five minutes. You just walk around, okay. And then next thing you know, two weeks before the marathon, you're training 20 miles. Okay, so it takes you from five minutes to 20 miles. It's pretty cool, okay. So, um, you know, I knew, okay, I got to look for some training races. So I ran the Great Aloha Run, eight miles, right? Oh, I was dying. I didn't have the right pants. It was like all falling off of me because of sweat. We got so you know, much sweat. It's like fall, my pants are falling off. And I finished the race. And then I took off the training wheels and I went for the half marathon. And I'm like, yeah, the mar- half marathon. And I got better pants, you know, those shorty pants. And I'm like looking at what everyone else is doing, stretching out, feeling all good. And then start the race and... Believe it or not, I was training. My body was responding. I could actually do this. 13 miles. I go out, start at Diamond Head, and I go out to Hoikai or Ainahaina. Where was it? Yeah, right around there, Ainahaina. And then I come back to Diamond Head. And as I'm coming back down Diamond Head by that fountain, they, I'm, I'm feeling like, oh, i am got a little left in the tank. I feel pretty good, you know. And I was running my pace just nice and easy. And then... I see this girl about 50 yards in front of me. 
And for some reason, I said, I think I can beat that girl to the finish line. And we were about 150, 100 yards out, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to set my eyes on her. I'm going to beat her to the finish line no matter what. And so I just start sprinting as fast as I can. And as I'm coming closer, I'm noticing she has a cheering section towards the finish line. And her name was Christy, okay? Come on, Christy, you can do it. Christy, woo, Christy. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to beat Christy. I'm running super fast. And I, just as we cross the finish line, I just pass her. And I'm like, yeah. And as soon as I cross the finish line, my right foot felt like I stepped on a spike, Okay, and I, ah, ooh, like what? I just, what, did a snake bite me or something? And I'm like thinking, and I limp off to the side, and I sit down, and I'm like holding my foot thinking, what happened? Like, what just happened? Did I break my foot in half? Is my bone sticking out of my shoe? And I'm thinking, what happened? But I knew what happened. God said, you know what happened. Your pride got the best of you. Right? He's thinking, you didn't have to do that. So now I'm just going to sit you down so you can think about it for a while. So for one month, I couldn't train. One month, I had to do the stationary bike. Okay? I'm in the 24-hour fitness in the vault, in the Bishop one, Bishop Street, in this vault riding the bike for a month. Pride comes before the fall, as my wife likes to tell me. Hey? Pride comes before the fall. I knew what, I, what had happened. What did I learn? I learned that my character needed some development, right? I learned that my character wasn't so hot. It was my pride that tried to get me. I took the bait, and I tried to beat Christy to the finish line, right? My goal should have been just simply keep my pace, run the race God called me to run with humility and like you know encouraging other people instead of trying to beat them so life is a great course in character development isn't it the important thing like the apostle paul admitted to is to admit to god hey we're not perfect right we're not perfect i do not claim that i've already succeeded or have become perfect paul knew that we know that. We're not perfect, right? Important thing is that we keep striving towards the goal God called us to. Keep striving. Don't give up. As we concentrate on letting God grow our character through setting goals, Ephesians 4.13 says this. When, you, when we're doing that, when we're in the process of doing that, it says, then we will become mature. More mature, right? Just as Christ is. And we'll be completely like Him. See, more and more looking like Jesus every day. Hopefully, by the end of our lives, we look a lot like Jesus, right? See, setting goals is really helpful for our spiritual health because in the journey to accomplish the goals, we have the opportunity to grow in character, to grow in the character of Christ. The third reason we set goals is because goals give me hope. You can write that in there. Goals give me hope. Hope is essential for every single person living on planet Earth. They talked to people who survived the Holocaust and they said, how did you survive it? 
so many of them had this unwavering hope. They set a goal. They had that hope to return home. You know, I recently saw the movie Unbroken. How many have seen the movie Unbroken? A few of us. I read the book. My wife read the book, and I'm trying to read the book. It's kind of big, <laughs> but it's good. So far, it's good. I think I'm going to continue on. I made it like 17 pages. <laughs> but uh, it was a good movie, so I think the... I never read the book. I just watched the movie, right? But the movie was so powerful, and it just totally opened up my eyes to how hope can change somebody's circumstances. See, uh, Louis Zamperini was uh, fighting in the U.S. military, and uh, they were on a mission over the Pacific Ocean when their plane failed, malfunctioned, and the plane went down. And everybody on the plane died except for three of them. They had two small little life rafts with, life rafts with uh, hardly a day's food or water, and what were they to do? They battled dehydration. They battled uh, the sun. They battled sharks. They battled storms. It was really, really amazing. They were out on those rafts for 43 days, I think it was. 43 days. Could you imagine? And Louis Zamperini and one of the other crewmen made it back alive after 43 days. The third guy that was with them didn't. What was the difference? The two of them that survived, Louis and his other friend, they would talk about what their mom cooks. Louis Zamperini's mom was a great Italian cook. And he would always talk about that. And the two of them would make it a point every day as a routine to talk about, wow, when we get home, we're going to eat this. Tell me again what your mom cooked. And they would recite the same stories over and over throughout the day for 43 days. The third guy, he wasn't that interested in it. His spirit was being broken and he didn't want to participate. He didn't have anything to look forward to. He didn't, even, he didn't have that goal of making it home alive. And he didn't make it. He passed away. So isn't it amazing what a goal can do for somebody? What hope will do to help somebody carry on even in the hardest of circumstances. Job is another classic example of somebody who lost everything in life. He lost his family, he lost his business, he lost his home, he lost everything he owned. But he still had hope. <clears throat> At one time he didn't though. Job 6.11 says this, he was struggling, this was his low point. Job says, I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. See, even Joel, Job recognized the importance of having goals to help you have hope. See, some of us here today are going through really rough times right now. You might not be saying it to everybody. You might be smiling on the outside. But on the inside, you're struggling with something really tough. It might be a personal problem. It might be a problem at work. Whatever it is, you're really struggling. And then for the rest of us, maybe not going through something right now, life will always make sure, because we live in a sinful world, that we will go through hard times, right? We, we know this. Life is hard. None of us are immune to having just this perfect 
life. We're not going to have problems. We're going to be going through tough times. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have accidents. There's going to be illnesses. There's going to be pain. There's going to be problems. But what do we have to do? We have to keep moving forward. We have to keep moving forward. But how do we do that? We have to set goals. Because why? Goals give us hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. God has great t- plans for us. But when we're going through the tough times, just like Louis Zamperini, Job, you who've been going through that problem for so long, it's hard to see that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard to see that you're going to keep moving forward and come past those problems. But we have to keep looking forward to our goals for the future. See, goals are like magnets, these really, really strong magnets. I actually got these super strong little magnets from an infomercial. I was watching one night. And this, oh man, these magnets are so powerful. They're like this big. They can pull anything. I put them on my fridge. I can't even take them off. (laughs) And it said that they repel sharks. So I was so like interested. I was like, what? They're so strong they can repel sharks. Maybe we can put them on the bottom of surfboards. This is a new invention. So I took it to the Honolulu Aquarium. (laughs) He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Kick his... And I actually told them this. I said, kids, these magnets are so strong. I can't believe I'm telling you this. If this thing breaks, like the water, the glass breaks, and all the sharks come on us, then you got to swim out of here. Okay, so these magnets are so strong. But you see, goals are like magnets. <laughs> they keep pulling us forward. They keep pulling us forward. When we're dragging, we don't want a goal. The goals are like a magnet, that super strong one. It'll pull you forward. You have to be able to see that you can't stay stagnant. If you don't set a goal, guess what's going to happen? You're just going to be saying, okay, I guess this year is going to be the same as last year and the year before that. You know what? My marriage, I might be having some relational relationship problems, but you know what? I don't have any goals for my marriage. Well, guess what? That marriage probably won't get any better. It might get even worse. Your relationship with people at work. You don't have any goals for your office or for how you interact with people at work. Guess what? You won't probably improve in those relationships at work. It might even get worse. You can go for any area of our life. Without goals, see, we're not being pulled forward. We're just staying right here, being stagnant. So, what is your goal for the year? What are you looking forward to What are you being drawn to? What kind of goals should we set? As Christians, we're wondering, okay, is this whole thing just a bunch of secular goals and does this have anything to do with anything about being a Christian? Yes, number one, goals bring glory to God. You, As a Christian, you want to set these kinds of goals. Goals that bring glory to God. What kind of goals bring glory to God? Any kind of goal that causes you to love Jesus more. Any kind of goal that wants, that helps you to be more grateful to God. Any kind of goal that helps you to share with others 
about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. These are the kind of goals that we should set because these are godly goals, right? We're setting godly goals. It's not the best goal to say, you know what, I'm just going to set a goal to make as much money as I can. I'm going to put everything away. I'm just going to buy a super nice car and retire by the time I'm 40. Boom, I got my goal. No. We're talking about setting godly goals, goals that bring glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul said, We make it our goal to please Him. That's our goal, to please God. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, our goals should be goals that please God. And right now I'm just going to call up his name, Shane Ungos. And uh, can we welcome Shane up to the stage? Woo! And um, I'm going to, I'm so excited. Thanks, Shane. So, here you go. Uh, Shane's going to share a little bit about uh, how their family has made these healthy decisions and uh, decided to live a more healthy lifestyle. It's not just starting with uh, themselves and just their own uh, wanting to improve them, themselves or their family, but really from God and how God has changed them and their family uh, from the inside out. So, uh, Shane, anyway, thank you so much for being willing to share. Uh, yeah, thanks. I know that your, your family uh, wanted to make some uh, changes to your health, and I just thought it would be so encouraging for everyone to hear this. Um, can you tell us what kind of changes that uh, you made and how it affected your family? Sure. Um, well, my health journey started about 35 years ago. I was born with this predisposed disease. I mean, it's genetic. Mm. I was born a Filipino. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, man. But, you know, I found out at an early age, about 21, I had high cholesterol, over 300. Um, later on, about 27, I w- had gout. And a couple years ago, I got the trifecta of diabetes. Mm. So with that, I, I knew I had to make some changes. Um, um, also, when I was 15, my dad passed away of a heart attack. So... Um, that was in my mind. My kids, my four kids. And I couldn't do that to them, you know. So anyway, <laughs> we made these changes. Um, we, we, just, we actually just follow a, a system uh, that we, we still do to this day. But, uh, you know, we, we just basically, you know, eating better. Um, supplementing what we can't eat, uh, making small changes, you know, doing, I don't go to the gym, I got four kids, I got a job, I got a business, and we don't have time. So I, I make small changes, whatever I can do, I stand up at work instead of sitting at my desk all day, um, I do push-ups while my kids are on my back, and you, you, you just, you do, you do what you gotta do, you know, for your kids. Mm. And how did, or did God have anything, kind of uh, the motivation, or were you guys uh, looking at just trying to do it in your own power and strength? I know that you were oh, mentioning yeah. that it really is important to you that it comes from God. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I was born, you know, with it again, and I haven't been able to do it up until a couple of years ago. And, you know, following, even with the Daniel Plan, it's, you have the food and fitness that everybody tries. And we actually, you know, 
we've, we help people and we always find that people who focus only on food and fitness fail. Um, but, you know, when you rely on your friends to help you focus on the faith part of it, then that's when you su succeed. And to me, it's I'll never fail. Uh, I'm no longer going to fail because this is no longer uh, a thing I do or a diet or whatever. It's, it's my lifestyle. And, and I know the reason why I'm doing it. I know who I do it with. And I know exactly why I do it every day. And it's, it's not just one time or one month, but it's every day. Oh, man, that's awesome. Can we give Shane a hand? Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Wow. He said he'll never fail because he knows the reason why he's doing what he's doing. It's a lifestyle. And it's God's power. So if we focus on uh, just doing it in our own power, he mentioned we're just going to fail, right? But we're doing it in God's power. Okay, number two, and we're wrapping up now. What kind of goals should you set? Goals that are set in faith. If you set a goal that is too small and you can do it in your own power, then guess what? That's not called a goal. That is called a to-do list, okay? We don't want to be just doing our regular to-do list. We want to have God-sized goals. And if you do everything in your life right now that you don't need faith, to accomplish, guess what? Why do you need God? Why do you need God? Why do you need any faith? The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please Him. See, a goal is something that has to be big enough that you have to depend on God fully for Him to accomplish it. Something that stretches you. Something that really kind of almost scares you a little bit. And say, God, if I'm going to do this without you, like in my own power, I'm just going to completely fail at this. This is going to be so embarrassing. This is going to be really terrible outcome. I need you. So I want to encourage you this week to set a few goals for your life, specifically in these three areas, okay? Number one, your faith. Number two, that's about how you spend time with the Lord, how you spend time with other people, loving them into the kingdom of God, your faith, okay? Number two is your food, what you eat, what you put into your body, and number three is your fitness, your, how you're going to work out and walk, do some practical things, okay? And so those are the three areas, and as you go home, I want you to go ahead and write down these goals. Take some time to think about it. Take some time to not just write it down really fast and say, okay, you know what, I think uh, this would be my goal. Boom, boom. No, pray about it. God, what have you really laid on my heart? And because today is a Super Bowl, I'm going to be really corny and call them Super Goals. Okay, so you're going to have your Super Goals and then you're going to have your next step. What is the big one that's going to take a lot of faith that you're going to say, oh, no, I can't even do that. You're right, you can't. But like Shane, Susie, and the Ongo says, it's going to come from the inside out. That power is going to come from God, and you can't fail when it comes from Him, right? So you write down your super goal for those three areas, and then you write down one next step. What is that next step? It's a smaller goal. It's still going to take faith to accomplish, but you know you can do it. If you're going to be training for the 2015 marathon, then what do you have to do starting the first thing? Right? You've got to go ahead and maybe walk, 
run three times a week, something like that, okay? And still running three times a week, that's going to be hard. So that's going to be a, a faith-filled next step. So please go ahead and do that at home, a little bit of home fun you have for you. Take that, okay? So ask your small group for help. As you guys are doing this, do it together in community. Do it with your small groups. So we all know the importance of setting goals. We know what kind of goals we should set. But we know that we can't do it in our own power. So what we're going to do right now is just stand up. We're going to close in prayer. I'm just going to pray over you. If you're somebody here today that says, you know what? I really need God's help. I need God's power. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to do it not in my own willpower or strength. But God, I wanna, I'm, I'm kind of excited about doing this super goal. I, I want to see this next faith goal in this area of my life. But I know that I can't do it. I'm just going to fall on my face. And I need God's power. So let's go ahead and, and bow our heads right now. And if that's you, if you would like to be somebody who stopped doing it in your own power but need God's power, let's just go ahead and raise your hand. Just as a sign to the Lord and say, God, I really need your help. I need you to take over my life. I want to just see Shane and Susie's example, Lord. And it's not, I saw what they did in their life and it's awesome. I want that for myself, for my family, Lord. I want to give glory to you. I want to just be able to stand up and just testify to other people around. Yeah, God did it in my life. You can put down your hands. God sees your heart. And he's just, I'm just going to pray for all of us right now. Lord, we just, are people who are uh, sinful, who are people who are in need of you. And Lord, so many times we try to do it in our own strength, in our own power. But you say, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Lord, we believe your word. Lord, we don't want to go against you and the way that you've designed us. You've designed us to be people who are desperate for you who call out and say, God, I just raise up my hand and surrender to you and say, I need you, I need your strength, I need your power. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us today as a church, that you would come and fill each person here today, God, that we would be able to see these goals, Lord, and we would be excited about them, Lord. We would know, Lord, that you are developing something in us, Lord, that you are giving us hope. God, you're developing a character. You're drawing us forward like those magnets, Lord. And we just say we are excited, God, but we know that we can't do it. It has to be all you. I thank you so much, Lord, today. God, we just pray that you would help us to have a great week in community in our small groups. And Lord, we just want to be able to say thank you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So on your way out, turn to somebody, give them a high five, encourage them that they can keep doing it. And uh, we have some food out there. Stay in fellowship. Remember, put half plate vegetables, half plate junk food today. And uh, have a great Super Sunday.